Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to this 19th episode of Breaking Coals. Thank you for jumping back in as well as we decided to take a week off last week. I myself was feeling a little bit under the weather and just needed a little bit of a break. So I appreciate all of you guys bearing with us in coming back and tuning in with us this week on Raking Coals. I just want to first and foremost say, please, if you haven't already, stop by our website, E43 Collective, which where you can see more episodes of Raking Coals or our other podcasts, the After Sunday Discussion, or read some of the blog posts that we make. If you can, if you do have time to leave us a review over on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, that helps us out a lot. That helps us grow the channel and more people will be able to see it. And if you haven't subscribed, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you really find podcasts, you can subscribe to us there. So without any further business, I just want to say this week we had a fantastic podcast. We sat down with Caleb and Julia Kudlow who are involved in a ministry in downtown Cleveland, part of City View Baptist Church and the Shoreway Ministry. They're good friend, friends of Josh's, and I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with them. I learned a whole lot, and I think that you guys are going to learn a whole lot as well. Please enjoy the episode and let us know what you think. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. This is episode 19 of Raking Coals. I am one of your hosts, Cody Haggard, and with me, as always, is the one and only Josh Fauzi. Hello. Josh, how are you today? I'm okay. (laughs) Josh, I think both of us can say we're pretty excited. Uh, We're excited because today we are joined by another guest, actually two guests. A couple is with us here. Today we have uh, friends of Josh, uh, Caleb and Julia Kudlow. Kudlow. Kudlow, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Caleb and Julia Kudlow joining us today. And, and we're really excited to talk to them. We're going to be talking about some of their ministry involvement. We'll probably cover a variety of different topics. Urban ministry, uh, worship, discipleship. discipleship, a whole bunch of different things. Uh, I know that just by the short interactions I've had with them today, this will be a podcast full of good stories. It'll probably be very fun and funny. So I look forward to it. Uh, so Josh, why don't we why don't we get it why don't we get things going here? Well, I just want to say something really quick because okay. I'm super excited because number one, I have two of my best friends around the table right now. So and they have never met before today, which is pretty awesome. So Julia, I'm really happy that you got to meet. Cody. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to do that? How long have you been thinking about that? Uh, Caleb Caleb and Cody are the two guys that if I'm ever in need of anything or I need to talk about anything, I call them. So they're, they're most of the time my first calls. And unfortunately, you are super busy, Caleb. Yeah. Um, no lie. And we don't get to hang out as much as we'd like, but... You are one of my best friends, and I want to make sure that I let you know that. <laughs> Thanks, man. Love you. <laughs> so, who? We got a lot of people listening. Surprisingly, I don't know. <laughs> Somehow it worked out. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, tell us, tell us about you guys. Hmm. Um, tell us pretty much who you are. What you, What are you guys doing? And how did you guys get here? Yeah, there's a whole story to that, but. 
right now I'm a pastor out of Cleveland, and uh, we serve in uh, the inner city. Um, I live on West 85th Street. Maybe I shouldn't tell the world that. Uh, they already know. Um, the rest of Cleveland knows. Yeah, so. <laughs> I tell you. Uh, our church is downtown, uh, and I, I do mean downtown, like where the high-rises are. We, we're, we're, we're there to serve the, I guess, the marginalized people. There's not a lot of churches down there. There's not a lot of gospel-centered ministries there. But uh, God's called us to be there. Uh, our congregation looks a lot like, um, you know, could be homeless people, could be even well-to-do people, but people that live downtown. And I've been serving there for about three years as a pastor and was a intern before that. Julia has been there since uh, quite a bit longer. And uh, I first met the ministry there as a college student. I went to Cleveland State. That's where you went to school. That's and, how we met. Yeah, and then there was the whole long story, but uh, this is where God has me, and we're excited to be there. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Julia, <laughs> you want to say anything or no? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, so, so, really quick, just for the people yeah. who don't know, what's the name of the church? City View. City, City View, View Baptist Church. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> Fun, fun, fun. So you were an intern there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And and how did you get connected with City? Yeah, truth be told, I never thought I was going to be a pastor. Um, I was a, Cle- a Cleveland State student back in uh, like 2010, 2011, music performance major. And right before I was coming into Cleveland, I uh, was working at this Christian camp. And a speaker had come in. He said, hey, I'm starting a church in downtown Cleveland. You're going to school there. You got to check us out. My first weekend uh, in Cleveland as a college student, I went to City View, and uh, it was weird. I mean, it was weird. I'm pretty sure somebody rolled a joint at the table in church. And uh, the music was non-existent. Uh, we met in a hotel and it was just like a hodgepodge of people, but it was so real. And that's what I think when I came away from that, anytime people visit, I, I think they say, this, it's raw here. People are just willing to be honest about who they are, where, where they're coming from, and what they need. And Urban Ministries is special for that. But honestly, my first experience with Cleveland, not good. No way. Not a fan. Um, I, I want to get out of the city. Me and my good buddy got robbed at gunpoint, you know, in that uh, first year as students. And I, I didn't I didn't like it. I got stung by the city. I wanted to get out. And God had me go, um, of all places, to inner city Minneapolis next. So, that I don't know. He had something to say to me, but I wasn't listening. No? And, uh, How yeah. long were you out there for? I was just there for a year. I, after I finished up my music performance studies, I... I was thinking, you know, as most wise adults were at the time telling me, you probably need to make some money at some point. So I decided I'd become an air traffic controller. And I went out to Minneapolis to, you know, learn about that. But uh, that's that's when I was there, I kind of got really connected into the church. That was the first time I ever actually sang in front of anybody. felt like God was calling me out. And I even had a, a... mentor there who he just told me hey i don't know what you're gonna do next but i know that you need to serve the lord and love him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and that's what he told me and it it just struck me there that that first time so i think that's when i realized god was calling me to the ministry okay now was there ever a point you mentioned kind of 
feeling a little burned by the city wasn't your favorite experience in Cleveland. Nah. And then you went to uh-uh. northern Minneapolis, inner city Minneapolis. What what was there? Was there a point in your life where you felt like the city finally started to grow? Yeah, actually, um, it wasn't even then. And northern Minneapolis was crazy. And I still felt pretty uncomfortable about it. I mean, I'm, I'm a country boy, to, to be honest. And of all places, when I realized that God was calling me to this city was in Israel. Um, after Minneapolis, I, I became a, uh, like a missionary intern in Israel for a year. Uh, you know, following the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind. That's where it led me. And I was learning the language, and we, we were doing some, uh, you know, evangelistic efforts, and relational ministry, and all over the country. It was a great experience. And I realized I could stay here and learn a language and, and kind of integrate myself into this culture, you, you know, so far from home. But, you know, the people in Cleveland need the gospel too. Um, and I, I looked straight over them. You know, I couldn't wait to get out of there. And I knew that, that God wanted me to be in Cleveland at that point. So that's when I came back to Cleveland. That's, the, that's part of the whole long story. And that's when I became an intern. And uh, I guess the rest is history. I did some seminary classes, but most of what we learned there and what we've done there is just to, to live in the city and really be taught by, by God and by the people and just trying to be gospel. So was there like a, an event when you were over in Israel that kind of said, like, I need to go back to Cleveland? Or was it just like this feeling the entire time you were there, like, Man, I was sorting through all kinds of thoughts and feelings in Israel. Sometimes when you get out of your out of your situation, God can really do some hard work. Um, I don't know. Man, he's throwing this at me. I got to <laughs> think there's a whole – I was there for a, a whole academic year, and that was cool. I mean, I could talk about that. Yeah. This could be a whole – this could be the whole thing. Right. We could just talk Most about. memorable memory oh, from Israel. Oh, man. You know, whatever I give here later, I'm going to be like, I should have said that. But, you can come back. Okay. Um, man, you know, I just think worship by the Sea of Galilee. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, now nah, I want to change it now. Floating in the Dead Sea. That was cool. Okay, but seriously, there are, you know, evangelical Christians in Israel. And there's Messianic congregations and I, this is probably the best one for, for me. Is I went to something called the Meeting in the Woods, and it was a, a church service um, by several different congregations. And uh, there were Jewish believers there, and there were Palestinian believers there. And they had this worship service together. And, uh, yeah, I'm never going to forget that. That was crazy. I mean, it, and seeing what the gospel can do, uh, I, I think— to answer your question was probably what made the difference for me and I knew that God wanted me to you know even it wasn't as a full-time minister wanted me to to represent him in the city I knew that's where he was calling me well, Julie was already there the whole time she was waiting for me no, she was doing her own thing well it's funny because I met Julia the year before you came, the year you were in Israel yeah so I met you when I started going to Cleveland State, and we just kind of hung out at a Bible study called uh, Campus Bible Fellowship, and that's how I got connected with City U and met Pastor Bill, mm. which 
I'm, I'm going to backpedal a little bit. Which pastor went over to the camp? That was Pastor Ken. Okay. <laughs> Man, there's just so much history here. Pastor Ken came to Cleveland initially because his heart was failing, and, and he was called to, to there. I mean, Cleveland is it's, – it's strange to think about. It's a totally different world downtown. Um, like I said before, not a lot of churches. I mean, there's, there's just not a – big Christian presence, especially in in the culture of the inner city. I, for most of the kids that come to our church, they don't have a church-attending parent. Um, and any Christianity in their family is like with their grandparents. And that type of Christianity might not be um, might not be the real thing. You know, it, it might be more of like a legalistic type of nominal, you know, faith, but, but not Jesus following, you know. Okay. So, I don't even know how I got there. Julia was already there. And, yeah, Pastor Ken was called to the city. Pastor Bill uh, partnered with him. And Pastor Bill, who was my, you know, mentor of the faith, also my father-in-law. <laughs> there you go. Full circle. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so you come back from Israel, and then mm-hmm. you kind of just jump right in. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like totally different culture, but, uh, and culture is a big word, uh, for what's happened there. Cause I'm, I'm not trying to be the, you know, great white hope of Cleveland. Um, a God called me there to, um, you know, I think worship is a, is a big word. You mentioned that earlier. You know, I want to be in the city culture and I'm, I'm interested to know what it looks like to worship as somebody who lives in this city, I mean, there's, there's a new generation here. Um, so we're bringing the gospel into the context of the city, but there's a lot that I have to learn about the city, even having lived there for several years. Um, it's, it's a different world, like I said. Yeah. I think about the first week he was home from Israel, he came back and he played the piano and he presented. So we don't give him much of a break. Yeah. <laughs> Threw him right no, back like, in no, it. Tw- no, stop. Come <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. You, you know, I'm, I, I think what's interesting, too, we know demographically speaking, we know who listens to this podcast uh, based on some analytics. And most of our, our audience are from suburban environments mm. around, around the country. And I think something that happens, too, is we get very comfortable in our suburban, very structured, very simple Christian lives. Mm. And and I think sometimes we take that for granted. I think sometimes we take for granted that uh, there is a whole society of people out there who have very, very different backgrounds and very, very different lifestyles. And Christianity looks different to people who are outside of the church, especially mm. when life can be particularly tough. Yeah. And <laughs> and so so my, my question for, for you guys is, is what are some of the biggest challenges as being a Christian, especially two of you, two of you Caucasian Christians, mm-hmm. uh, in an inner city environment wanting to share the gospel with primarily African-American uh, kids? Yeah. Yeah, primarily like 100% of our youth group is African American, which, in, and I'll just say this, and, and this is because the spirit's in it, this is because God's in it, but building relationships and talking about Jesus is way easier than I thought it was going to be in, in one sense. I mean, 
like a big part of our evangelism has been park ministry like inner city basketball just playing basketball talking to people and it's crazy how many people uh, would just give you their life story right up so the opposite of a hurdle in that sense uh, people are just so straight up about it but there are hurdles um, there are difficulties somebody asked me this question not that long ago uh, what's like a big struggle and I answered and I actually thought the answer in hindsight was bad uh, and so my moment of redemption here uh, I said that it can be very discouraging uh, you know it's very discouraging because you know you people make decisions that you're you know disciples you know walk away you meant people that you're mentoring you know go off the deep end they get swept away by the undertow of the culture they you know people get into drugs and like the big stuff you think about with the city that really does happen but um being discouraged you know i, I just wrote about it because josh had asked me if you know i'd be willing to write something for the blog and uh god's been teaching me really about this idea you know that he is sovereign that he that he's working through that the scorecard is not for me to think about these wins and losses but to you know have a have a jesus-like kind of love so and in that love you know loving through struggles loving through need loving through uh, setting healthy boundaries there's a lot of struggles i don't know how you want to chime in julia well, I think one of the most important things is humility. Just we don't have the answers. We don't always mm. understand the culture best, but we love. And so even when we don't know how to answer a question or we don't know how to step into a situation, we know that we're called to be the hands and feet of Christ. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's just saying, I don't know. Explain this. Show me what it's like from your perspective. Because yeah. even though I grew up in the city, for the most part, we're still both at times viewed as outsiders so we have mm -hmm. to be able to say yeah we don't live your life but please bring us along with you show us teach us we want to learn and we want to be in the community mm. with the community and for the community mm. so. yeah yeah I, a lot of good stuff with that community piece there and all of that being alongside people it makes me think of discipleship because that's like the bread and butter i mean like not me being so us and them, not me telling other people how it should be, but following Jesus together. And that's why we moved to the neighborhood that we live in. But like you said, we're still students of the city. Yeah, so my, my question is going off of that. How does that look? So like, how does your week look then? Yeah, uh, <laughs> week is absolutely crazy. <laughs> Honestly, Oh my goodness. And something could, I mentioned healthy boundaries before, because something could fill up every minute of my life. And I'm sure that's true for a lot of people, you know, and even the stuff that's not filled up, you could just let something slide in there easily until you're just, you know, nonstop. But uh, one of the, one thing that's just a real aspect of ministering the city is, you know, we have a location that's, you know, in the city, so it's expensive, but in reality, our congregation and our resources are um, much smaller. You know, we some of our people that attend church have no income or low income, and there's not really a lot of giving there. In the end result, all of our pastors are bivocational. So part of my week is uh, teaching music part-time. I do that. 
Um, but the big days for Ministry Tuesday, um, you know, looks like going to different Bible studies uh, downtown. Um, we got several of those. And then I have a whole back-to-back-to-back discipleship meetings with young men. Um, we go to stuff like Boys and Girls Club. And Thursday we have uh, we have our big like youth group stuff going on, which is a lot of hanging out, uh, playing basketball, building relationships. And then we do have a meal. Youth group is like no youth group you've ever been to. It's as, as much to be contextualized, but it's very much preaching truth there. And me and Pastor Jesse go on and off each week preaching that. Uh, Saturday is supposed to be like, for outreach, but that looks all kinds of ways. We literally have a basketball hoop at our house. Like when we went to buy the house, they said there's a parking lot next to it. So we didn't want to be honest with you. There'll be kids there. Maybe you don't want to move into this house. We said, perfect. That's perfect. And so many kids come to our house, especially on the weekends to just play basketball. I I don't know. I think we counted it up the other day. I think about 20 kids from our street have come to church or continue to come to church that just from meeting us on the on the blacktop right there and uh sunday is a huge day and here it is a sunday night right now and yeah i'm 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 cooked right now like totally tired but and and josh was there this morning we uh (laughs) we had a morning to remember two of the last three times that i preached on a Sunday morning, I've been yelled at. So it's very interactive in the service, in the sermon. And, you know, people just speak their mind, I suppose. I don't know if we want to get now into that's, all of that. No, that's an interesting <laughs> thing, man, because I have, I have some preaching experience myself, and I've never experienced that. So, so how does that, how does that affect, affect you as you're speaking? And does it throw you off at all, or is it like, well, oh, oh well, thanks. Can I say something <laughs> yes. about this morning? Uh, so, so City View, like Caleb said, is very different from your normal suburban church because right. it's not a suburban church. Yeah, it's an inner city church with all every demographic from the inner city shows up, mm-hmm. and we've had people screaming and yelling in, in service, and we've had people fall asleep, and we've had people go to the bathroom and drink like alcohol and stuff like this yeah it's just it it's a little yeah not that we not that we let everything anything no. go but i mean kind it's, of come it's as different you are. it's not yeah. something that like if you grew up in the suburbs or you grew up going to like a like a suburban church you, you yeah. normally don't interact with that but this 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 sunday we had two people get stuck in an elevator yeah um, for 45 minutes? Because it's in a hotel. It's yeah. where the main service is. Yes. Um, so we had that going on. And then someone had made a comment, because your sermon this morning was about justice. Yeah, worship, worship as justice. Yeah, worship as justice, and which I thought you did a really good job with that. Thanks, Josh. And, uh, and I don't know what started it, but I just remember between the firemen who showed up <laughs> to let the people out of the elevator the the calm down of like the managers from the hotel coming and talking to people and then like whatever happened in that time frame i just remember there's a very sweet woman at least sweet when i interact with them um no she just i love her to death um but she's yelling at caleb yeah (laughs) and mid-sermon in mid-sermon about something not related sure directly to the sermon right and it was a it's a hot button 
cultural issue right now. And I had to address it. You right. know, I'm on the spot because everybody in the church is waiting with bated breath to know how are we going to handle this? What's our church's stance on this? And, mm-hmm. and I think I, and, and your answer was very much, if it's what the Bible says, that's what we're going to hinge on. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to go away from what the Bible says and do what culture says. Mm-hmm. And you, you did, you said that with a lot of grace, uh, but also with a lot of truth. And it very much showed like, just here's what scripture is. Okay. Here's the reality of it. And no one could come back and say, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> because because that's yeah. what you spoke truth to power. And now we're praying through the aftermath of that situation because I, I think some people, I, I just don't even know what we would do next. I, you know, at some point, you know, you have two worldviews that collide and you have to make a, a decision. And, you know, Julia had made a good point about that when we talked to some teens who were at, it was a, this was a public event. So the teens were asking about it afterwards. And, and what did you share? I don't know if you want to chime in on that. Well, I just said, you know, being a Jesus follower requires dying to self. It's that's the, the truth of the gospel is that we die so that Christ can give us new life. And so that dying to self looks differently for each person and each sin. So we, we have to take that and integrate that as a part of our daily life, take up our cross, follow him. And that's something the American church doesn't like. We don't like to kill our sin nature. We just like to hide it. Um, and I think these hot topic issues really bring that out into the forefront and say, are you going to die to yourself or are you going to let the flesh live? Um, hmm. And so we talked about how Christ changes the holistic person. He doesn't just change a couple sin issues and then leave the rest hidden, but he's, he's holistically sanctifying us hmm. and he wants our, our pride issues, our, our lying, our unbelief. He wants all of that to be surrendered to him and not just the things that the people in the church or in our culture really pay attention to. So hmm. that was my, my word to the teens. <laughs> now now being in an inner city environment do you find that like the issues that are being talked about are amplified because of where mm-hmm. you guys are in the group of people that you're dealing yeah. with yeah yeah certain issues and I, I mean as i mentioned earlier to some extent people are willing to just put it out there what they think or believe but it seems it feels like a more of an uphill battle sometimes because there's not any um help from a biblical culture sometimes in a suburban church you might lean and that's how i grew up in a rural setting i went to a suburban church and you can lean a little bit on the family values and that's just almost non-existent for some of our teens i'm sure the whole city's not like that but in our sphere um it's it's not like that Uh, we might be the only voice for uh, virtue in the life of some people but I think off of that, um, the culture and what the world says is so hopeless that as soon as truth starts to be spoken, these teens gravitate towards it because it's the first time they're ever hearing that there's hope and there's truth mm-hmm. outside of the culture, um, which is some of the benefit that we can bring from coming outside and having a Christian worldview is saying there is more to life. Um, so it's a struggle, but it's also a benefit because we can speak that. Yeah, I think abortion is just a really one of the really big issues, to be honest. You know, yeah. to put it out there, and other ones that are are taken for granted. I mean, some kids 
just can't believe, um, for example, th- that I'm married. Uh, to be honest, you know, it's just it doesn't really ma- it make a lot of sense. You could be a young person that hardly knows a married person. It, I know that sounds ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous. Uh, and drugs, even um, a kid asked me this week, you know, so you, you really don't smoke pot. And I was like, no. And he's like, really? I mean, everybody he knows. And and if that's your starting point, then the way it descends is is you know, quick. I, I found a needle in my yard this week. You just wonder, uh, and it's not like we live in the jungle. I'm just saying mm-hmm. it's, it is around us though. The, the culture is different and that's a blessing and a curse, I guess. You know, you bring up something that I think is interesting. Something that Josh and I, we talk about on this podcast all the time is how it's really important for Christians to get outside of their own echo chambers. Hmm. And I think a lot of times we we don't necessarily see the greater cultural impacts of, of things that are going hmm. on, you know, because we're comfortable coming with our normal group of friends and talking about like, oh, this is going on in society. Isn't this yeah. just so bad? And then you got your whole group of friends who are like, yeah, yeah, it's so bad. Yeah. But then when you're in the environment that you guys are in, uh, you might share a worldview, and it's like, you guys are nuts. Uh-huh. How, how can you hold to that? You're, you're crazy. <laughs> you're idiots. <laughs> Could you imagine if, like, hey, I know someone, and if they were to have a baby, oh, you don't even want to know. Yeah. And, and it's like you, you're kind of challenged by a different worldview, and you're challenged to talk through your faith in a different way. Mm-hmm. You are, and you, you really get to see that hey these issues whether it's social political or Mm. or faith-based are not necessarily uh, as easy to answer when someone has no foundation in in the faith so so i think that's you know we we have the opportunity to to uh talk through some great stuff here and i think this is really good and hopefully opening the eyes to a lot of people listening to this like it's not always easy it's just going to your church and being like oh yeah this world is terrible um where there's people who who are out there (laughs) there's there's a reason these are issues Uh, you know and and i think this is good we had a somebody we invited to speak uh in our like we call it youth group i right now we're calling it youth group but down there we just call it shoreway and uh we, I had invited him to speak, and he was doing this this whole piece on, are you a slave to uh, sin, or are you a servant of God? He was kind of comparing the two. And anyway, he got, he got done with, like, the intro, and I could tell he had this beautiful – it's Matt, by the way, Josh, you know him. So uh, he had this, this great thing set up, and he gets done with the nice intro. He's ready to launch into the, the scripture, the content. Kid raises his hand. So who is sin? Because he thought we were comparing two different people, the sin and God, and he didn't know that sin as a as a concept and and discipleship, like you said, it's kind of there's like something beautiful, but crazy about starting you know ground up with somebody who doesn't know sin or what is the gospel. I mean, we've been throwing that word around this conversation the whole time. What is the gospel? You know, but maybe somebody doesn't even have an understanding, so we have to figure out how we're going to communicate that. Um, and we try to do that too in, in non-literate ways. I mean, most of our next generation is, even though people obviously can read, um, pe- people prefer to learn in non-literate ways and, you know, we're trying to contextualize it to some extent the truth. 
mm-hmm. without changing the truth, but trying to be able to minister in that context. And I could talk about that all day, how we how we do discipleship or worship or what have you, but you know, I'm, we're still learning. <sighs> now, now because because it's so different, and because you have, like you said, there's a lot of people that don't have that background in faith. Hmm. Evangelism mm. for City View and for you guys looks completely different than what it would in the suburbs, right? Mm. Can you can you kind of talk about that a little bit and just like what are some things that you've seen that have worked and things that haven't worked when it comes to just reaching out to the community and talking to people? I think the biggest thing is relationships. It's so interpersonal. You can't just walk in and expect somebody to trust you you have to show them your consistency and show them that you care but that takes time and that's a lot of the evangelism is over months or even years of just continually going to where somebody lives or where somebody hangs out and it may take six months before they step step foot in, foot in church once and you know a couple years before they come regularly mm-hmm. just because they want to know that you can be trusted Um, And things that we see that don't work, I think a lot of it we would call like cheap fixes or this concept of giving somebody what they want or what they think they want and not really sticking with it for the hard relationships. So, you know, giving somebody, taking them out to eat a couple times, maybe what they want, but what they really need is for you to walk with them through these hardships. Um, And that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of vulnerability and effort a lot of effort and so sometimes it's easier to just to give a cheap fix and say here's some pizza we really care about you but really you've got to go to the house meet the mom hear the struggle and then keep showing up after you see the mess for Mm -hmm. them to really see oh these people care they really mean what they say i want to know who this jesus is um ideally we're living and and mirroring the gospel we're all along the way we're speaking the gospel all along the way um you know I, I, my my issue sometimes with interpersonal evangelism which is a beautiful thing is that a lot of times it emphasizes the interpersonal never gets to the evangelism so we have to we have to figure out how to put those two together uh, in the right kind of way and sometimes it is on that first uh, connection i do want to talk about jesus you know but it's that relationship sometimes before someone is really willing to 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 listen you know when when paul and the other apostles were doing like street evangelism back in the day they were in a culture that understood some of these basics that that we're talking about right now but for other people uh, especially in our context you know following god might just be a religious idea and they don't understand that jesus died in place of them and rose from the dead proving that he's god that's how we oftentimes say it that's how we oftentimes describe the gospel. And so we, we try to use different language. Like um, one thing that I often say, too, when I'm communicating with people is, hey, Jesus is the boss of my life. And I just want to be, I want to understand that, uh, you know, sometimes that word Lord gets lost in translation. I'm not trying to change the meaning of it, but I am trying to say, um, I want you to understand what my relationship with Jesus is like. And he loves me, and this is how he loves me. And I, I want to love you. And show you what his love has done in me. And I'm never trying to come out holier than thou. Hopefully, hopefully that's coming through right. Yeah. I think I, I'm being 
at your way and and being at City Media Lake, I think that's something that that you guys and everybody who's involved in it does a, such a good job doing. Where it's that you're building these relationships, you're getting to know these kids, you're inviting them to your home, you're feeding them, you're you're hanging like you're going to their parents' house and it's tough. I mean, I I because it's a lot of give and there's and there's a lot of, well it's a lot of give on your side and a lot of take from the other people mm-hmm. and like I feel like we live in a culture that's very much like this is a give and take relationship like I have to get if I'm going to give hmm. right and that doesn't translate right hmm. like do you guys find that it's messy <laughs> yeah Oh, it's definitely messy. I'm thinking of the phone incident. Right yeah, more than a few times, I've even known someone for a while, and then they, maybe they steal something from me, and I have to view that like a huge opportunity in some sense. Um, you said it's messy. I, I mean, Jesus got messy for us, and that's what I mean by gospel driven. You know, because Jesus did it for me, I need to be willing to to let what he did for me show up in my life and Josh went with me one time where we had to confront a kid who stole my phone and we you know we went to his house we tracked to his house and we knew that he had the phone and and you know in that moment I have to decide how can I show him I want to be tough you know I can't I can't do ministry in the city be you know living in the city or anything like that and and let people walk all over me that's that's not that's not healthy but I also want to show him the kind of forgiveness that Jesus has shown me. And that was a situation. That was a crazy situation. And I think sometimes those situations play out more often than I want them to, but they are, they are opportunities, opportunities. Yeah. But I mean, Julia, you, I know you've had to deal with just girls telling you things that you wish none of them would ever have to go through or tell you about (laughs) um and it's it just seems very different from what what i know a lot of people have gone through Mm -hmm. when it comes to church and we don't really talk about this very much you know i i never want to like show off this the bad stuff that happens in the city but it's so important to communicate to you know, what this what this is and and their sin is ugly is something that I was reminded of very recently and yeah Josh you're absolutely right I mean there's stuff that we've gone through and the crazy thing to think about it is well we're, we're not going anywhere and so I I know it could be hard going ahead but I also know that you know God's ahead of us in that and this is his ministry, I, I guess. He loves the city. And I, I I think sometimes, though, I grew up in a church where we, we didn't really talk about it that much. You know, we didn't talk about, like you guys said earlier, the church being the church. And even as I preached this morning, worship as justice. You know, how we involve ourselves with other people in the city, those ugly situations, those injustices around us. What are we actually going to do? How does our worship overflow into that? Um, it's a huge, it's a huge, it's a huge deal. And like I said, I'm always a student of it. I'm still actually taking classes on worship now, not to change the topic, 
But man, um, uh, always a student of it, and uh, it's hard. But so we need we need prayer. That's that's one thing to say for sure. And I think dealing with people disclosing things that are hard or walking with somebody through a hardship is the gospel. I mean, that's what Jesus does for us. But it's also on my end, always checking myself and checking my maybe initial reaction and not showing that shock on my face of, oh, you just threw this out on a car ride home and now my quick little trip home is a whole deal because I have to either you know address this or handle yeah. it properly or sit and talk through a hard situation for hours that I'm not expecting to um I think of last just Friday we uh was helping a single mom try to get her social security card and just driving her there and back and all the things that she says just little blurbs of oh well this happened to me when I was 12 and that's why I don't have my social security card because somebody kicked us out of the house and never gave us our stuff back you know how do you respond with saying that was unjust, but you can't let that define you at a tw- as 20 years old, you know? Um, so I think there's walking in wisdom, not always speaking immediately, like holding your tongue, letting them talk, and then praying before you speak. Um, and constantly I have to go back to the gospel and say Christ redeems situations that are hard. And it's not on me to redeem. It's not on me to provide the answer. It's on me to be the hands and feet of Christ. Um yeah it's definitely it's hard but it's it's worth it man you say some wise stuff sometimes i should, i should do more listening you talk to me more. <laughs> wow. yeah um, yeah I, I really think a lot of things we've talked about here are very very good and and you know it's it's interesting because i think a lot of times we we get disconnected with, and I, I worked with some inner city Chicago hmm. uh, young young kids when I was in college before before Cabrini Green was totally shut down. Um, I was part of an after school program over there, and you definitely get uh, more of a feeling. And this isn't to to marginalize or to judge or anything, but in the in the city, there's it, just more of a feel of just necessary survival. Hmm. Like all of hmm. all of the basic questions and basic needs of life don't necessarily have as as easy of answers uh, sometimes. That's a great point. And, and I think it creates a culture and an atmosphere of 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 just tough toughness sometimes. Hmm. And, and with that toughness, I think comes it's it's tough to get the gospel through. Yeah. Um, but however, there's just something I think completely powerful and genuine about the word. Uh, about the gospel, about people who are willing to show love. And I think, Caleb, as you mentioned, having a balance between showing the love of Christ but not letting people walk all over you is probably Mm. tough to get at at points because, you know, you want to help out, but you also, at times, you got to be like, okay, you got to recognize when is someone just trying to take advantage of Mm. me? Um, But at the same time, you know, I, I think the more we give, uh, the more love it shows, hmm. and and it's it's tough work to do, and I appreciate what you guys are doing, and and definitely you have our prayers and support here, um, but but what are what are some things you guys would say like for people who are interested in, in maybe helping out with whether it's inner city ministry or or um, yeah we'll just say urban ministry in general what what are some things like that would be good mindsets and good attitudes. Um, going going into that 
because I think sometimes people look at it as like, oh man, I'm gonna go change the world. But what are some good mindsets mm. and attitudes going into that? I think first is leave every solution that you have that's from your culture at home. Leave it in your culture. So you may think that the whole answer is get a job and love Jesus. We hear that one a lot. Um, it's a lot harder just to get a job in the inner city when there's so many barriers. Um, and so I think just leave, leave those preconceived notions at home. Come and, and learn. You know, sit and talk to somebody. Because the moment that you talk to somebody, you hear their life story, you realize how different it is from your life. Um, and that changes changes how you approach something. Because none of us have the answers completely. That's that's God's job. But be a student first before you come in expecting to change the world. Mm. And second is be willing to see every person as a potential brother and sister in Christ. You know, it's really easy to be an us and them to say this is me and you're you're you you can't do that you have to come in and see the value in every person before you can ever really love or serve um because we're all people we're all made in god's image it's there's no difference there's no distinction in that Hmm. i'm gonna go with the us and them you stole that (laughs) that's a great question cody us and them i think that was a huge one because a lot of times we can even find in our unintentionally how we're talking about the people we're trying to and i hate the word do ministry i think i said it earlier and i caught myself i was like oh see the thing about it is that us and them i mean language where we talk about those people them they need i'm the one providing help they're the one receiving it and we kind of have this subconscious hierarchy where we're better than them you know those people and i think julia said it well there you know there's there's value and purpose in every human life and so we kind of have to understand that about god's image i I think coming into cross-cultural ministry but i even think like the stuff we're learning right now that god's teaching us it goes for just about any ministry i'm sure like in your context there's ways that that kind of applies um, this it's a universal thing that there's value and purpose in every human life from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I, I have a question, and it kind of goes along with this, but like so, being in the environment that City View operates in, like, what are, how have you seen the church moving, as a hmm. whole, like church as a whole, not just City View, hmm. but like the like the churches in the area that you that City View's in the other faith-based organizations like do you see cooperation do you see collaboration Hmm. with that or do you see what we see in the suburbs a lot of this is our church and that's their church and we don't talk to their church Hmm. (laughs) it's funny we we part we partner up a bit with uh just the very few evangelical efforts that are around i mean i never would have thought that i would count a pastor of an rca like a reformed church of america pastor a are such a close friend because I grew up in a Baptist denomination and and not that he endorses every aspect of his denomination but I I'm I call him a close friend he's very gospel driven and in my neighborhood he you know there's a it's not that far away that there, there is that church and I spoke with him today he offered a fresh perspective on some things and he's been in the city for decades um, so there is that partnership there has been suburban and rural churches are willing to come behind but in general I, I do think that the 
the kind of church that that City View is becoming is not a super popular model. Um, I know other churches that are planted might be on like a, a, a timeline. You know, we have to become self-sufficient in this amount of time. And uh, one uh, astute observation was there's a difference between uh, you know, skinny jean urban and baggy jean urban. And, you know, <laughs> we don't want to – there's a certain kind of culture about our church that maybe doesn't fit inside the box. But I, I'd like to believe that uh, that how the church should be moving is that, you know, the gospel's reaching into lives, and then people are having heart change and are responding in, in their – own cultural way and that city view itself is becoming the, the church that really reflects the city around it um and I, I you ask about the church as a whole though we've become a little bit more globalized than contextualized where we're all kind of trying to become this quintessential you know i even look at websites i'm like oh i have to have it has to be like that you know we have this idea about what a church can or should be but i think god has something special for for what a church in inner city Cleveland can be. And we don't necessarily have to conform to the global American evangelical church quite so much. I mean, I think one of my favorite pictures of the church in general is it is, it's like a mosaic, right? Hmm. A bunch of different pieces and parts coming together to make a beautiful picture, but each component of it is unique Hmm. and different. Well, and I think in Cleveland, we can't have, just silo churches in the inner city you have to work together i think of the other ministries that work with the marginalized populations you know you're talking to them maybe it's not every week but you you're touching base you're you're seeing how they're doing something or the people they're reaching because if you isolate yourself completely you're never going to learn from their experiences Mm. Um, i think about we were at a church planning seminar a while back and the guy said if you look at the church in jerusalem they were never self-sufficient. Paul's going around all the other churches and taking offerings to take back to Jerusalem for them to do do the work that God was having in that city. And that's kind of been always encouraging to us as we, all, and every ministry that takes place in Cleveland is that maybe the call isn't for us to be these financially well-off churches, but to be churches that serve people and that the churches from the outside are the ones giving the financial resources for that to happen. Mm. Um. No, I just because I know you mentioned club and faith, mm. and like I, one thing that I will say is that uh, just getting involved at City View, it's it's amazing to me to see how like you have you take the kids to Youth for Christ club, yeah, yeah, every Tuesday, and diff- yeah, the nearby neighborhood there is a Youth for yeah. Christ ministry, and then you have Calvary, mm-hmm. you had West Bethel for a little bit helping out yeah uh, you have faith community mm-hmm. center and just doing worship and church there and then you have just all like the like the tutoring on thursday nights and just it's it i love how and the reason i bring this up is because like w- cody and i have talked a lot and i know you listened to a little bit of it mm-hmm. but um just like getting the church to stop thinking individually between its four walls but start hmm. talking thinking like regionally and like what's going on at City View? I mean, you guys can disagree with me or agree with me, but it, it just seems like here is like the perfect example of churches thinking regionally. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, and cities are so transient that you have to think regionally because somebody may live in our neighborhood today and live on East 76th 6th tomorrow. I mean, truly. So we have to we have to think regionally because people move. They, they change places all the time. Hmm. Yeah, I, I heard a testimony uh, from a girl last week who said, well, I moved 20 times. And she's not much older than me. And she was just talking about her story. And I think that's a story for a lot of people. Uh, just getting around the city quite a bit. 20 times, that's a lot to move. Yeah. That is a lot to At move. 27? Yeah, she's just a little bit older. Yeah, she's just a little bit older than me. I never moved when I was a kid, to be right. honest. Yeah. Like, not one time. I was grew up in the house. My parents still live there. Mm-hmm. And it's still in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think, right, so. shockingly, like, we'll have kids live next door and then one week they'll be in church and the next week they'll be gone and we'll say hey where are they oh they moved we don't know where they are so it's it's a really transient culture at times Um, yeah so you have you have to be regionally minded Mm -hmm. so we're at what 55 minutes right now 51 minutes okay so but i think it's only fair because we mentioned that we talk a little bit about worship and i think worship uh in general music in general is kind of caleb kind of what got you to this place in the first place mm. right i mean if yeah. it wasn't for music yeah. you might not have That's ended up point. in pastoral ministry and uh i i've heard some things and i'm just very interested to hear basically what what's your philosophy of worship <laughs> we're gonna need another 55 <laughs> minutes <laughs> oh I'll, I'll keep it short worship is loving god most okay I, i've heard it put that way um Worship is loving God most. And I I touched on this earlier, but worship is a response to what God's doing in us. So I don't necessarily believe that uh, for me to worship in spirit and truth is going to look exactly the same as for a Kenyan to worship in spirit and truth or for a Korean to worship in spirit and truth. The truth piece is obviously relationship with God through Jesus, but uh, stylistically, I mean, we were just joking about that over dinner you know stylistically um that's not uh, as sacred i guess the style of of our worship and I, that's a lot of what i've been learning about in cleveland what is the style of worship for a generation that doesn't have that much worship and that's kind of a, a little piece of our mission um and we could we could talk about that but i i'm probably gonna have to do an yeah. entirely separate yeah, I mean, I dream, I dream of seeing, um, seeing the, the next generation, and you know, create worship. We could facilitate that as a church, the creation of, of, of a worship style that really reflects our culture. But what our church looks like right now is some uh, hymns, I guess, some contemporary songs, and a growing amount of um, African American traditional. Or, or newer, kind of like a Kirk Franklin feel. You know, we're trying to reflect that. We're learning how to do that. But most importantly, what we've learned are the heart songs of our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been some songs that really connect with our church. Uh, they might surprise you what they are, but... Um, <laughs> what are some of them? Uh, you know, when we first started uh, down there, there was a song called He Knows My Name, which I never thought was that interesting. But it talks about how God is our Father, and he, and he hears us when we call. And we've always 
had that song. More recently, um, we did we did a song that was a mashup of "I Have Decided to Follow Jesus," and uh, and a song that that was sang by in a conference somewhere, and we made it kind of soulful. Do you know what I'm talking about? We added a little spoken word to it. Mm -hmm. it it's kind of interesting for that. Um, I mentioned Kirk Franklin. You know why we sing is a song that he does. We started doing that, but. I know. There's old hymns like I'll Fly Away for whatever reason is a song that the city view wants to do, even though for me that's that's a southern song. <laughs> that's okay. That's uh, southern gospel. Southern. I, you know. But that's one thing that attracted me to City View is that we, I mean, worship at City View is old hymns. I mean, hymns that where the contemporary church does not do hymns hmm. really anymore. Um, we do like there's a lot of Red Collective. There was I do love Red Collective. <laughs> there's a lot of worship yeah. initiative um, yeah. stuff, but then you also have like scripture readings, yeah, and you have spoken word stuff, and you have catechism, catechism, and you have sure. um, and it's not just the worship team. It's you have people from the congregation just mm -hmm. and the community coming up and just read this read this chapter, yeah, and we're doing like right now it's a chapter a week, right? Yeah, Co Cody. Yeah, Cody said uh, philosophy of worship. I mean, yeah. one of the main pieces of the philosophy of worship is that we want to engage as many people as possible in the worship of God. Mm -hmm. You know, and I went to. I remember when I was in high school, and I didn't really, wasn't really feeling the conservative scene that I had grown up in. I started going to another church, you know, with some friends and. It felt like sometimes the worship was just happening on the platform, and I was more of a spectator. Uh, Francis Chank sometimes speaks to that. He, he wrote a book called Letters to the Church recently where he says, win them with entertainment. You have to keep them there with entertainment. And I'm not trying to condemn all churches uh, that have, you know, that contemporary sound. I love I love some contemporary, you know, worship music. There's great stuff being coming out. But uh, it's actually the, the entertainment culture, though, The if we're— creating more like a spectator worship. So we do want to engage a lot of people. I think that's an important piece of the philosophy of worship there. But you are quite the talented musician. I don't know. I How many instruments do you play? So he, the main piece of this story is that although I did go to school for piano performance, I had never sung a word in front of anybody. And as a soloist or anything, or as a worship leader, when I first went there as a college student, I just played the piano and very quietly. I did not sing. I just was off in the corner. Um, and it was in Minnesota that God was getting a hold of my heart. He said, Hey, I, for whatever reason, I, I, I had this thought that he wanted me to do a vocal solo in front of the church in Minnesota. I was like, what? And, um, I decided to step out and do it. I gave a little speech beforehand. Hey, this could be a joyful noise. And I felt like God was calling me to do that. And, and I, I kind of followed him through that door. I'm not the greatest singer, but I, I am a worship leader. And that's, I guess, a big piece of my calling. So I'm trying to use that, but I also want to hopefully enable more people to, to participate with that. Uh, maybe even someone who could sing with more soul than, than me. <laughs> Yeah, but you it play because I've I've watched you play. Okay, yeah, play yeah, the piano. But you know, sometimes I play the mandolin at church. You do play the mandolin. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. The guitar. <laughs> Why do I play the mandolin? The violin. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, the violin. Yeah, that was an Israel thing. Drums. 
Yeah, I love it. We have like a cajon because we got to be more trans, you know, transient. With Everything fits the in the back of your car. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a crazy piece. Getting there in the morning, setting <laughs> and it all so, up. And, and Julia fits in there sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Squeeze her in. Uh, for sure. And we have like a kielbasa, like a shaker, tambourine, you know, mm. whatever it is. Um, and we want to like teach more teen, kids and stuff how to participate that. We have like Zaran's playing it right now. You know, hopefully I look back on this in years future and say, man, he really came so far with that. But right now we just at the beginning stages. But but he's Sam just up there playing. shaking it, you know, the egg, yeah. you know. Yeah, little Sam is so cool. Um, <laughs> you know, he's just a kid uh, from the West Side who wants to, he wants to write songs and participate. He wants to do music and that, that there's so much that could happen there. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. excited about that. So. Yeah. That's just a, that's the bird's eye view of what we're doing for worship. Man, I feel like I, I talked this whole time. Oh. I didn't really ask. The, you guys made it easy, though. I'm telling <laughs> you this. You guys asked the very good questions. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm very, I appreciate hey, that's what, this. That's what we're here for. We're yeah. here to get you to talk. And, and we're going to start wrapping up now. But uh, something that I think is important is, is for, is there any information, if anyone from our audience wants to find out more about your ministry or anything, is there mm -hmm. anywhere they could go and find out what you guys are doing? Sure. Yeah, cityviewbc.org. Cityviewbc.org is the ch our church website. No spaces. No spaces. No capital. Yeah, and it's even got the sermons on there. You can listen to this morning's sermon if you really want oh, to know Oh, did it. you guys catch the yelling? Yeah, that, that would have been on there, I suppose. I, I need to upload it, um, but I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with that. And then... Uh, you know, we do have a blog that kind of extends out of that, but we're not very amazing at Just keeping up to that. What is it? It's called beautifulfeet216.blogspot.com, and it's linked from the church website too. So, okay. yeah, there's not a ton, I guess, out there, but we do have a cool church video on the website. Yeah, you, know? you do. And then you also have the Facebook page. Yeah, we have, we have City View Baptist Church on Facebook too, mm -hmm. you know. That this is really probably the most, you know, we've ever done a talking about what's happening in Cleveland because we ju we just I think that there's something we're learning that would be good to share with the with Christians mm -hmm. outside of the city, but you know we're really city view we're city focused, so um, haven't spent a lot of time like publicizing you know anything that's happening there you know so thank you for giving us a voice yeah no that. no and we will have you guys on again That'd for be sure beautiful because we want to talk about worship we want to talk about discipleship we want to talk about youth and in the inner city okay and cool yeah hopefully i can learn to interact with you guys better so just talking about cleveland the whole time <laughs> nah, see right. i love to hear you know about what's going on at pathway etc so yeah. yeah so awesome well, thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, please be sure to take a minute or two. Check out uh, cityviewbc.org. Uh, you can see what uh, Caleb and Julia and the team is doing over there at City View. Uh, I, I just I think the stories are fantastic. I'm going to have to get out there sometime and check yeah, it out and see what it's all about. Um, and, and Caleb did write a phenomenal blog post for the website. So please be looking for that. It will be up by the time this is 
loaded on the internet. So right, you guys fantastic. are too kind to me. I might fantastic. So that also means, as always, we are going to plug e43collective.com. Uh, be sure to check out e43collective.com. That is our website where you can see our other podcasts and blog posts. We've been a little bit lackadaisical on the blog post, but there's a good one for you to go read today. So be sure to do that as soon as this podcast is over. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your time. And as always, have a fantastic week and a blessed day. Bye-bye.